0: Welcome back to Home Inspector Training for Home Inspectors. I am Garth Haslam, the home medic. This is part two of the segments on chimneys. As a home inspector, you do need to know what you're doing in the chimneys category. We're going to provide you with some basics associated with that. So, uh, left off on part one uh, with, with blocks. Now, what I mean by blocks is anything that might block the chimney flue. Um, I read a newspaper article a, a few years ago about a roofer who had, um, he, he, apparently he was the low price leader and he got the bid to do, uh, to re-roof some old lady's property. Well, uh, the way the story goes is that he, he went ahead and he got started on the roof and of course he didn't finish the first day. So he left his tools up there. Went home, came back the next day, was knocking on the door to let the lady know that he was back and ready to work. She didn't answer the door. So he banged a little harder and nothing happened. And he finally called the cops. They went in and she was dead. It turned out that he had left his tools on top of the chimney cap. Uh, This prevented carbon monoxide from being able to leave the home and this guy had killed his client. Uh, you don't want to do that, and you want to make sure that nothing else, um, you know, if, if you see, for example, a block on the chimney cap, you want to make sure that you note that. Uh, you don't need your clients dead either. It, um, you, of course, you'll serve them so much better if you notice those sorts of things. Now, is this real? Does it happen? Absolutely. Uh, there are a thousand ways to have blocks on, on top of a chimney. For example, on multiple occasions I've seen where maybe Joe Homeowner decided that he didn't like the cold air downdrafting on top of his chimney. So what does he do? Rather than seal the fireplace itself, he goes up and he puts a piece of wood on top of the chimney flue and then a brick on top of that to make sure that it stays there. And what happens come next spring, five months later... He's totally forgotten that he has a uh that he has a block up there and his wife turns on the fireplace gets things nice and and warm and toasty and then uh the guy shows up at the end of the day his wife is inside you guessed it she's dead um as the home inspector if there's anything blocking the chimney flue uh that is of course a high priority safety issue for um uh, for, for you and for them and it needs to be at the top of the list as relates to things to take care of. So, that's uh that's one way to do a block. Um of course, if you've got a um, uh, a raccoon nest or anything like that, that's that's another different kind of, of block. Leaves and debris, maybe you've got a tree in the area, maybe it's got a lot of twigs and the twigs blow around and perhaps they're falling down inside the chimney. That, of course, is a block and that needs to be written up as well. Uh, Look for anything that might block the outward flow of carbon monoxide in the the chimney and the flue. That's important. Now, Proximity is another one of the inspection points that you're going to be looking at as you're dealing with a, with a chimney on the roof. If you happen to have any sort of item or device that can potentially suck the carbon monoxide laden air back down into the living space, and the primary criminal on this one is swamp coolers, I can't tell you how many times I've seen a swamp cooler located right next to a chimney flue, um, and sometimes even those flues, the the flue itself is physically located not only next to but lower than the swamp cooler. So what's going to happen is you've got you've got the carbon monoxide from whatever source, be it the the furnace or the or the water heater or the fireplace or whatever it is and then you got the swamp cooler so that air is leaving then you got the swamp cooler that is sucking that air right back down into the house now carbon monoxide poisoning usually shows up in uh in people as headaches and nausea and just not feeling good and weakness that sort of thing so, um sometimes you can show a little bit of knowledge is if you run into that you can just ask if the sellers were experienced those experiencing those sorts of problems. Um they quite often you can turn yourself into quite the hero if you'll mention that you've got that configuration on the outside and that it can or can cause those problems or actually is causing those problems. And you can help people to understand how to keep um, their family out of the hospital. So proximity uh, to anything, you know, there may be there may be other sorts of uh, of items next to you. Just want to make sure that you pay attention to whatever is near that carbon monoxide exhaust. Make sure there's going to be no surprises for your clients. Now. Uh, a lot of the older homes are uh, are built of masonry and mortar and most of your chimneys are also going to be built of the same sort of thing, brick and mortar, and you want to take a look at those uh, closely as well. Sometimes you can have spalling, which is basically a chipping off on the face of the masonry. What's happening there is water is getting down into the brick and then it is... Then it is freezing, and with the freezing, you spall off a little bit of the face of the of the masonry. So that is a sign that the chimney cap isn't doing what it's supposed to be doing. It's supposed to cause the water to fall off the edge of the cap and not allow water down through into the uh, masonry and into the living space, into the attic and all that. So that is one sign that something's not being done right. Um... Sometimes the, the brick is okay and you're actually going to get mortar loss. So if you got mortar that's been that's been lost, usually that is an older chimney. Um but if basically you have lost all that mortar, now you've got basically marbles stacked onto on top of each other with no cement to hang to, to hang them together. Quite often you'll see that happen in the top two or three courses of masonry. And uh, you can imagine what would happen in an earthquake or a heavy windstorm if you've got uh, loose masonry that's just waiting to fall. And of course, you know from Murphy's Law that if it's going to fall, of course, it's going to fall on somebody's head and cause some major damage. You want to make sure that you notice and write in any mortar loss in the the chimney itself. The technical term to replace the mortar is to repoint. So you'll want to do a couple of things, explain what uh, that it needs to be repointed and what repointing is to your client. Okay, that's masonry and mortar. Now, fire prevention, I have a personal story where my dad, actually, um, we built a lot of fires when I was little. And that's uh, of course not very not uncommon. But as we were doing so, it w- you know we were using everything from pine to cherry wood to whatever he dragged home from what wherever, and all of that had creosote in it. Creosote is basically the equivalent of pine tar for all purposes. So. Um, what happens is you burn that, the creosote uh, volatilizes, and then it re-solidifies back on the chimney flue. So after some time, you've got all this tar that's just sitting there on the flue, and then you build another fire, this one hotter than the rest, and now that creosote is going to relight. Now you've got a fire going all the way up the entire flue, um, it's hotter than, than it should be. And if that flu is not perfection and if it's not well protected, you can easily burn your house down. I have seen a, uh, I've seen flames come out of the, of the chimney flu that my dad actually, um, lived in, I guess that I lived in back in the day. That is the sort of thing that you're going to want to make sure that your clients understand that, uh, If you have a damaged flue and or creosote, um, that needs to be treated respectfully. It needs to either be cleaned or you can actually get, uh, now you can actually go to uh, certain places and get a creosote log. And basically what that's going to do is it's going to treat the creosote so that it, uh, it doesn't burn. Um, very good idea. And then, of course, you're going to want to um, make sure the client knows that those creosote logs have a set of instructions that need to be followed. So, um, information that you do need to pass along. Again, tree branches, I mentioned that in a previous segment, but in the fire prevention category, we definitely have to mention tree branches. If you've got those, especially pine tree branches, because they're so volatile, um, if you got those near a house, and let's say you've got this creosote fire, uh, now you basically are guaranteed to have the house try to burn down because now you've got a fire not only inside the entire flue, but now your um, your big 80 foot pine tree located right next to the house is also a ball of flame and it's going to be very difficult to avoid having the house burn down at that point. Um, so you want to take a look at the tree branches. Also, the leaves, again, if you've got a lot of combustibles that are blocking things and they're inside, uh, maybe you've got the raccoon nests or anything like that, those need to be noted as part of your inspection report. All right, that is part two. We're going to cover flus in part three of this report. Thank you for being a part of the team. Thank you for being a part of the team. If you have more questions, you can always go to my website, homemedicusa.com. Notchi.org is always a good source, very good source for information. And um, make sure you take care of your clients. They'll take care of you. Get out there. Do a good job. Make me proud.